Hey everyone, this is Garrett and Nick with the Stu Nurse Podcast, where our mission is to bring humor, advice, and resources to the nursing community and other healthcare and health-interested individuals through me and me. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing well, Garrett. How are you? Good. You ready to get this show kicked off? I am. I am rip-roaring ready. <laughs> okay, so as you guys all know, we start off with a, uh, with a health topic, which... Uh, Last week was sunshine, right, Nick? That's right. You get some sunshine last week? I did get some sunshine. It was a little bit rainy and a little overcast, but I uh, I found a way to get outside. Yeah. Took my dog for a couple walks. So oh, did it was, you? It was kind of nice, yeah. Nice. Um, and then this week, our health topic, we're going to be covering sleep hygiene. Hmm. That's right. Sleep hygiene. Uh, if you want a little definition, Nick, I will give that to you. I, that? Yes, I yeah, would yeah. love that. Tell me more. Uh, sleep hygiene is defined as behaviors that one can do to help promote good sleep using behavioral interventions. What do you think of that? I don't know what that means. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me what you think that means. Oh. <laughs> well, um, how much how much sleep do you get every night? I, I'll tell you what, Garrett, I'm a champion sleeper. Yeah. I, I will sleep a minimum of nine hours a night. No, that's solid because yeah. I'm the same way. Like, yeah. I don't sacrifice sleep at all. No. And I hear a lot no. of people, they're like, you know, oh, I stayed up till one studying and stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm like, nope, that don't fly at my house. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. I'm lucky if I make it to eight. Yeah. I guess yeah. I wake up a little early, but I still try to get, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep. Yeah, I think I think if I'm at less than seven hours of sleep, you'll know because there's like a black cloud hanging over me, and uh, yeah, people you just want to avoid me yeah. at that point. There's those nights. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, so uh, just a couple things. The National Sleep Foundation actually recommends seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep, um, and then I actually have some sleep hygiene guidelines that the University of Vermont uh, Sleep Center. Let me pull those up really quick. Um, just some good tips. There it is. Okay, so a couple. I'm not going to, there's there's multiple, there's 12 of them. I'm not going to name all of them. Um, I'm going to name a couple, and then I will actually post the, the link where you can get this stuff. But uh, um, the first one is uh, obviously go to bed only when sleepy. Okay. Um, use, Makes sense. Yeah. Number two, uh, use the bed only for sleeping. So it says <clears throat> don't watch television or eat in bed. Bed is for sleeping, right? I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um, uh, and then uh, don't nap. That's what they recommend. If you do need a little nap, just make it a little power nap. Um, don't exercise just before going to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick, so no exercising right before bed. Ah, uh, shucks. Obviously, <clears throat> avoid caffeine. In the afternoon, evening times. That that makes sense. I follow that rule. And then I thought this was interesting. We kind of been learning about this. Don't drink alcohol close to bedtime. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I do that. Yeah, it can be difficult sometimes. Have a little glass of wine or. Two. Yeah, you know, you get a little thirsty, have a little nightcap, and there you go. Yeah, but it is. It can. It, it can be stimulating and can wake you up in the middle of the night, and then you know. For nuts. sure. Yeah, I I I believe this source that you found, and I will. I'll give it a try. Um, and then this is saying focusing on tasks that occupy the mind, such as reading, watching television, or listening to music promotes relaxation and sleep. That doesn't make sense, right? Focusing on tasks that occupy the mind. Yeah. So yeah, maybe just your downtime, right? 
Well, and you know, if I'm if I'm laying in bed and I let my mind wander, then I think about all the um, fights that I lost when I was in grade, grade school. Or, <laughs> you know, Little like Billy. Uh, the comebacks that I should have yeah. had that were right on the tip of my tongue. You know, if if you if you keep focusing on that, then you'll stay up forever. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask you a question because I didn't expect you to like get a solid nine hours every night of sleep. How do you do that? How how do how do I yeah, sleep I mean, for like, nine I, hours? I, I, I ex- like is there something like I don't know how to answer that. I put my head down on the pillow you just, and you I just wake can, up nine hours just, later, ten okay. hours later. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just I, I'm a champion sleeper. Like I just I I gotta do it. That that's probably you, my number one. You don't you don't have like a ritual like reading or maybe watching Netflix or just. Well, we were talking about PMR last week. Do you, I mean something maybe that those those are really big in my life actually. Yeah, I will. Um, if if I need a little help nudging myself to sleep, I'll definitely do some reflexology or some of that PMR mm-hmm. that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, maybe do a little bit of meditation, but mostly I really like the um, the PMR. Yeah. Well, that was our health topic for the week. Yes, and so, it's a perfect transition. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, get get some sleep. Figure it out. Don't wake up in the middle of the night. Don't go to bed late. Our next topic, as you guys know, uh, what, what do we normally talk about after that? Well, we were, um, the plan was to get in some information about um, a stress management hmm. technique that you can use. And wh- so last week, explain last week. Last week, um, we uh, did... Um, it's called progressive muscle relaxation and it's a stress management technique where you quiet yourself and you focus on tensing up a certain muscle group Mm -hmm. and holding that tenseness and then relaxing it slowly. Mm -hmm. So I had never tried that. So I went home that night. I've been doing it for the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. I told my wife about it. Mm-hmm. I've been married for almost 10 years, and she tells me, I do that. And I had no idea that she had ever done that. And I'm like, why Why have you never told me that you, that's what you do? So I, I've been trying it for the last couple of days. Yeah. At first, I thought it wasn't working because I, I felt like I was overthinking it. Yeah. But after kind of talking to you, it seems like it has been working because I, I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, my gosh, what, what, what body part was I on? And I thought I went to sleep overthinking doing this. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Garrett, if you if you are practicing a stress management technique and you fall asleep, I would say that's mission accomplished. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about that. that is a I home overthought run. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, these things, um, you will you will overthink it mm-hmm. and you will wonder if you're doing it right. And you'll find out pretty quickly when you fall asleep, or you'll find out that it's not working for you. And that's okay, too. Hmm. It's okay because there are a lot of techniques, and there's a lot of them that we're going to go over, and not everyone is going to work for you as well as another one. So I recommend just trying it and keep keep you put in a valiant effort for three or four or five times and um, really find out how it works because it, it, it's, a, it's a practice. It's something yeah. that you have to train yourself to do better. So what is our stress management technique? this week that we're going to be practicing. So, you know, this week I've been thinking a lot about that. And um, what I came up with was the idea that 
a lot of times in nursing school and in life, we start to develop frustration and maybe some anger and maybe some sadness. And those are feelings. Those are our feelings that we can have. No, there's no bad feelings. There's ones that we don't like to feel, but they're all yours. And so you have to do something about them or they're going to do something about you. So how are we going to do that? So what I am going to recommend to everybody is to take your schedule. I'm not going to teach everybody how to write a schedule for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to plan out your day already, you don't need to do it. You're not somebody that needs to do that. But I really recommend <clears throat> finding some time. Schedule an hour, 90 minutes into your week to be by yourself mm -hmm. and to think about all the things that you've gotten frustrated about mm -hmm. and all the things that are making you sad and address them. And I'll tell you what I do, Garrett. <clears throat> um, every Sunday after my roommate leaves and goes to the library, I turn on the computer and I, I'm actually these days I'm watching the YouTube videos of babies that were deaf and they get their cochlear implants turned on for the first time. Those are those are tough. Man. Yeah, and you they see they hear their mom talking for the first time. Yeah, and I tell you what, if there's any bit of sadness in me, I am crying. I am straight crying. It's like ugly as cry. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay because, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes later, yeah. after I do that, I feel better. Yeah. I'm rejuvenated. And it, all of these things sound super cliche, but it's something that you have to do because when you're in nursing school, if you let anger or sadness build up inside of you and you don't address it, you're going to have to deal with it when it's a crisis. Mm -hmm. And then you're overwhelmingly sad right before an exam. And that is not a place you want to be. Yeah, that's not the time you want that to come up. No, I think, no, no. I, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Like, it, it's okay to feel those things, but not yeah. being able, not having them control you or giving them power yeah. um, when you're not expecting it. So that's, Absolutely. I think that's really healthy to, yeah. to schedule that time where, you know, if it's watching the YouTube videos or just like, you know, yeah, whatever it is. I, I don't know what it, it out, is. So. I, some of my friends, they tell me, uh, some friends, they tell me they like to watch the videos of um, soldiers that are coming home and they mm. see their family, surprise their family for the first time. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, if you just need to listen to that sad song. Or if you got some anger built up, you're frustrated about how you did on that exam, put on some death metal and <laughs> jump around, man. Yeah. Dance it off. You, it, it, what I'm trying to remind everybody is that you want to own your feelings mm -hmm. and you want to be the one that can control them mm -hmm. and do something about them. Cause if not, they're going to do something about you. Great. Yep. So yeah. So for to our next podcast, we recommend all of you guys scheduling that time, whatever yeah. day or daily, weekly, whatever it is, yeah. schedule that time to, Sit down and um, get it out. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes. Great. So Nick is actually going to have to step out. He has another school project he has to get to, so we'll see you later, Nick. Um, but let's get to our guest. Okay, so we have Professor Jenny Bays, and we have a fellow Accelerated student, Tess Peran. Did I say that right, Tess? No, you did not. <laughs> 
Perrin. There Perrin. you go. That's right. Perrin. Perrin ran. So we will start with you, Professor Jenny Bays. Introduce yourself, experience, et cetera. Okay. Um, I've been a nurse now for 13 years. Um, I've done lots of different um, types of nursing. I've done emergency room. I've done critical care. I've been an educator in the hospital setting, an educator in the college setting full-time. Um, I used to work in the float pool, so I went all over the entire hospital, pretty much everywhere you could go. Um, lots of um, cardiac background. I currently work in a department called Cardiac Special Procedures here um, at Parkview Medical Center in um, Pueblo. And then I also work in an ambulatory eye center, eye surgery center as well. And I teach for CSU Pueblo, so I keep busy. Um, so I've really just done a lot of various stuff and kind of built my um, background and have lots of different experience. And what do you teach at CSUP? So for the past four years, I've taught fundamentals of nursing care um, in the summertime for the accelerated students. And I've also taught uh, many clinicals for CSU Pueblo as well. I've been teaching there since 2009. Okay. So it's been quite a while. So right now you're just teaching fundamentals? Right now I just teach fundamentals in the summer. Yeah. And then you also work full time? Yes. And then have my other job as well. Yeah. Your other <laughs> job. So are you, you're not working nights, correct? No. Okay. I, I was going to say, nights. this is real life right now. Yes. If you were working yes. nights. Yes. No, so. I do not work nights. That's the one good thing. Yeah. That. And then um, we would like to know a fun fact about yourself. Okay. Well, one fun fact that comes to mind, um, I'm actually a um, really good cook. I can pretty much cook anything, bake anything. Um, anything from simple to pretty sophisticated. I make pasta from scratch. I have um, what? multiple pasta attachments. What time are we going over tonight? Um, whenever <laughs> I'm ready. Um, and then also kind of a professional fun fact. I have uh, two board certifications. And then one of those I actually just got appointed to what's called a clinical expert panel okay. for my cardiac vascular board certification. So that means I essentially get to be on a panel. Um, they fly me out to Maryland for um, these live meetings, and then we have online meetings as well. Mm -hmm. But I help determine what goes on the cardiac vascular uh, certification exam. That is really take. cool. Yeah, so that's something that happened pretty recently that I'm pretty excited about. And I also hear that you are a 2017 Nightingale nominee for Southern Colorado. <laughs> is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, explain what that means. So, um, obviously it's named after our girl, Florence. Yeah. Um, good old Flo. Girl, yeah, good old yeah. Flo, our girl Flo. Um, so it's really just a way to, uh, recognize nursing excellence. There's several different categories. There's a clinical category. There's, um, an education category. Okay. There's several different ones that you can be nominated to. You have to be nominated obviously by someone else. You have to get like letters of recommendation that go with that. Mm -hmm. You have to pass through a committee that says that you are appropriate to go ahead and kind of be up for that award. Okay. And, um, it's called a Nightingale luminary. Um, and then if you win, which I did not, but if you win, in Pueblo, then you get to go on to the state one in Denver. Uh -huh. And one of my really good friends actually won, and she got to go up to Denver. That's she didn't win in Denver, but she got to go. But it's a big deal is what you're it's, trying to say. It's a big deal, and That's it's a awesome. big honor, especially if you get to move on to the higher level in Denver. But regardless, it's a good, it's a very, um, very nice honor That's to be really recognized. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, we, we are honored, right, Tess? I to have am her so on. honored. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Tess, we'll move on to you. Who are you? Okay. Um, 
I'm Tess. I've been a nursing student now for about 13 months. <laughs> um, as you've already said, I am in school with you, Garrett, at CSU Pueblo. Mm -hmm. Before that, I had gone for my original degree at Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, where I majored in sociology, philosophy, and psychology. Okay. So not anything useful for getting a job, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, Basket weaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did that and ended up working in Denver for a few years, then ended up moving back to the Springs, mm -hmm. Colorado Springs, where I started working on prereqs. And, you know, here we are. And then, so why did you choose nursing? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Nothing cheesy, right? <laughs> Nothing cheesy at all. No, I I mean, honestly, it came down to, for me, figuring out what I wanted to spend my life doing mm -hmm. because most of your life is spent working. And I wanted to be able to do something that I wouldn't dread going to every day. I wouldn't question, like, my purpose, why I was there, who I was working for, whatever have you. Not to say that that might not still happen, mm -hmm. but... You know, I wanted to have a sense of purpose. I wanted to be able to make enough money to live the type of life I want to live. And I wanted to have a schedule that gave me the time off to be able to live that life. Hmm. And a fun fact about yourself. Well, it's not as fun. I'm not a chef. <laughs> really, it's not <laughs> fun at all. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, accident prone. So... <laughs> I have fractured my back twice on two separate occasions, and I also fractured my femur right in half, and now I have a titanium femur. Wow. Hmm. Um, what is your favorite class so far? And you can you don't have to say fundamentals. No, I'm, you do I'm not. I'm not going to say. <laughs> you didn't ask who my favorite professor was. <laughs> we need a drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> favorite class so far, even though they were horribly tedious and hard, I really enjoy med surge one and two. Mm -hmm. I like getting into the nitty gritty. I like learning about, you know, what tools we have and how to use them mm -hmm. and when to use them and where. So I would say med surge one and two have been the most like academically rewarding for me and seemed the most useful for the career choice. Mm -hmm. Those those classes are hard, yeah. but they're good. They are good. Um, so we at the intro of these these podcasts, we always talk about distress management. Um, I I want to ask both of you. And we'll start with you. Um, what do you do for stress? And um, it, it could be anything, so. I like to play tennis. Okay. Yeah, I like to play tennis as much as I can. I really enjoy it. It's good exercise, and it's mostly stress-relieving unless I'm losing really bad. That tends <laughs> to induce stress um, if I'm not doing very well, but for the most part, yes. Um, I It's a very beneficial exercise for me, so that's what I would say. Plus, um, even just putting the headphones on and going for a walk around the neighborhood, mm -hmm. that even just helps blow off some steam and kind of clears your head. I would have to say that I agree with the walking part and the headphones. I'm horrible at tennis, so I would <laughs> never do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think just stepping away for me is the biggest thing. 
in any situation, especially with school, whenever I'm feeling like I'm losing my mind, Mm -hmm. I like have no idea what's going on right now because there is so much going on right now. It is so helpful just like, even if it's for a walk around the building, if I just go sit out in my car and close my eyes for two minutes, just to kind of ground myself, because as you know, we don't really have a lot of time. Nope. I'll go through phases where I'll be running or going Mm. to the gym, but it's not the most consistent for me. But one thing that I can always do that doesn't take any time is just step outside, breathe. I do notice you do that. Like if they give us a break, you disappear. Yeah. And sometimes I'll find you like napping in the grass and (laughs) that's awesome because I don't, I don't think about that. So yeah, yeah, that's great. So today we are going to be talking about just studying, um, good study habits. Um, and also I kind of mentioned, I want to mention some like test taking strategies cause I know Tess, you have some good ones. Um, Tess, <laughs> test taking oh. strategies. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. So, um, I actually have a patent on that. You'll have to get my lawyer's approval. To okay. Use that. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so I want to start with you, professor Bays. Um, I know this is kind of a vague question, but what's, what is the rule with just studying in general? Like, I know they have like a, um, per credit hour, how many hours you study during the week, blah, blah, blah. What's the ideal, perfect study, just technique in your eyes? So obviously that's kind of a trick question. Um, and I would answer that with saying by everyone is going to be different. I know that is like not the exact specific answer mm-hmm. that you're probably looking for, but honestly, people are have so many different ways that they learn. Um, some people are very visual. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are like more tactile and like if they actually write out the information themselves, that helps them remember it and comprehend it, retain it better. Um, some people auditory, they re-listen to the lectures or they, you know, listen to podcasts or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. That is an auditory sensation. Um, and it really just depends on how you learn best and what environment you learn best in. So if you get distracted easily, then a group study group is not probably going to be the best, um, method for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nick probably could do some good independent study and be pretty productive. Whereas in a group, he might get a little yeah. distracted. Nick, we're um, sorry you're not here. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. We miss you. <laughs> you can't um, talk right now. Sorry. Right. Sorry. You can't defend yourself, <laughs> but, um, versus other people have a hard time just sitting down silently and reading or studying and they need that interaction. Um, and then as far as like methods, same along the line of, um, advice as far as how to retain things, how to understand them. Some people like really like acronyms and that helps them remember things. So Mm -hmm. if that is something that that is your, um, main deal, then that's what you should kind of focus on. Uh, some people like, for example, like, let's say you're trying to learn how to interpret arterial blood gases, right? Uh So tends to be kind of a, more challenging skill. Some people like the acronym Rome, right? Yep. You guys remember that one. Mm-hmm. Some people like to do the tic-tac-toe board and that helps them. And some people like myself, I, I can't use those types of things. I have to understand the pathophysiology behind something for me to be able to take that information on a test, synthesize it, analyze it, and be able to answer a question. So if you're that kind of person, then that's what you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. So you need to be, um, I would just say very self-aware of what 
kind of person you are as far as retention and comprehension. So let's talk about that for a second. So, um, when, when I was kind of putting this podcast together, like I just naturally knew what was good for me, mm-hmm. but let's, let's talk about the person that may not know, like, am I a visual learner? Am I, like you said, tactile? Uh, I'm like, is there maybe a resource that you can point them to, to go, Hey, this is, you know, do this silly quiz, or you just kind of have to figure it out before nursing school. Well, <laughs> I mean, that would be helpful and ideal, but I'm sure there are quizzes and stuff like that, that are easily, you know, researchable online, but I would even like take a question, you know, find a practice question, mm-hmm. whether it's in your text or like, you know, a resource like Passpoint you guys have to do or something like yeah. that, that you don't know the answer to. And if you could close your eyes, can you hear you know, someone talking in your head about that information. Mm -hmm. If you close your eyes, can you see, you know, a a diagram of that? Or can you, can you see something? Um, or can you, you know, use your own, you know, write it out and remember it and see it in your own handwriting and kind of have that tactile visual, um, connection there. Um, and even just see kind of what rings true for you, just a simple, tests like that on a question that you read and you don't know the answer to, and you have to figure it out. So don't, you're trying to say, don't try it on an actual exam, right? (laughs) Yeah. I would say that's probably not the best thing, um, to do. I would say that's, you know, going to go over like a pregnant pole vaulter and wait until the exam to attempt that. So yeah, yeah. Plan ahead. Do, do that ahead of time. (laughs) So, um, Tess, you, you kind of talked a little bit, you kind of emailed me some things and stuff. Can you kind of give some study tips or what do you do? Um, yeah, I can. And as that person that didn't know what type of learner I was, I can kind of talk a little bit to that too, because with my first degree, I was all over the place and kind of a shit show. Just had no idea really how I was supposed to remember the things that I was supposed to remember and kind of made my way through it mm-hmm. by... Wing surviving. It. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of wing it. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that in nursing school. No, no, absolutely not. Don't do that either. Um, so, so, so what are some things you do? I, you're like always on the iPad and I noticed you got, Oh, fancy I'm all about the iPad. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So for me though, that's a big part of it mm-hmm. is just having all of my stuff in one place because I'm not the type of person that can print out 300 sheets right on all the PowerPoints and Mm -hmm. then keep that together to drag around and study. Mm -hmm. That's just not me. It ends up in the bottom of my backpack covered in like gum and who knows what else. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Um, So it's really nice. I have this app called Notability. Okay. And I use my... Is it free or... It is free. It is. Okay. But you can buy, I think, an extended version. It might not be free. It's not free. Okay. I made that up. I, I think you did because I did look it up. and <laughs> I think it's I like nine ninety nine. Yeah, but still. But you can. it's not like nine ninety nine a month. You just no, one time. No, one fee. time. Okay. And it's very customizable. Like mm-hmm. you can – I'm very – I'm kind of a little bit of everything. I write notes during lecture. I take the slides away to study – and I literally go through and find anything that I've like put a star next to mm-hmm. that the professor was like, you might want to know this. You know, <laughs> I try to draw yeah. some attention to that so I don't necessarily use up the limited amount of time I have mm-hmm. going through all of these little things that are redundant or 
just not useful. And so that's something that I do. So, so you live what, like 45 minutes away from school? Yeah. Do you, um, record the lectures and listen to them or is that just like your drive time and, you know, I had the intention of doing that. Uh, me too. But <laughs> it just didn't work. So at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is sit there and listen to yeah. the same lecture that I just came from or whatever it mm -hmm. may be. And it really is just, I'm not the type of learner that can just hear things and suddenly it's magically in my brain yeah. at all. And so I do record the lectures. You can record on that app. Okay. while you write notes and so it's kind of more of a security blanket for me just in case I'm like oh goodness yeah you know so I don't re-listen to them but what I do is I carpool with my study buddy okay and I think that's a really important thing too because I'm a very independent studier I have to be like locked away mm -hmm. I want Nothing moving in my peripheral vision. I don't want anybody talking to me, breathing loudly, chewing, whatever, because that kind of stuff just completely throws me off. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to find a study buddy who is very similar, where we can be in the same room together and be very self-aware of what we're doing mm -hmm. and can recognize when it's probably annoying the other person or yeah. distracting them. But... Also, we can kind of create a schedule to study. Yeah, that accountability, and you, you don't feel alone. Right. Yeah. And um, if, like, yeah. a question comes up when you're going through notes, and do you remember the professor saying this? Then mm -hmm. we can both kind of talk about that. Um, as Jenny said, I also am the type of learner that needs to understand the patho, and my study buddy is also that way, which is good and bad. It's good because we know what we need to look at to be able to understand things really well, but it's bad because we'll just go down these rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. of Those are dangerous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patho rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah. like how, how is potassium affected in DKA? Yeah. I can't possibly remember for the life of me. Yeah, Let's... that's an electrolyte. I know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I, so in your email, I just kind of want to reference this because I, I, I think I understand it, but I think it'd be valuable. You put, I also try to color coat to mirror the theme of the PowerPoint so I can attribute the colors to the information. So all of the instructors provide us PowerPoints with their own theme. Mm -hmm. And usually, and I think it's intentional, um, the PowerPoint slides will be different color schemes for every chapter. Mm -hmm. So if they use like a purple background with let's just say yellow letters or something, then mm -hmm. I'll write those notes in purple and yellow. What, what would you say about that without giving away too much? Um, I can only obviously speak for myself, but when I'm picking a, um, I do do a different theme for every chapter, chapter okay. and that's just because I don't like monotony or anything mm -hmm. that's boring. So I try to mix it up, but, um, just so it's different. And I do think that helps with, um, that visual mm -hmm. learning, even just like what you said with the colors, and not that it might provide you a ton of academic um, benefit necessarily, but just that recognition of the information with that color yeah. scheme might be somewhat helpful. I can't say honestly, it's overly intentional. I just pick colors I like, but I do do them all differently. Yeah, and I think I, I've never I, I, I've never noticed that. But when I do remember information, mm -hmm. it's normally in whatever that color is. Like I'm like, oh yeah, so. 
when I saw that, I'm like, I have never noticed this. And I think that's important to kind of realize it and just, yeah, I yeah. think that's really, that's, that's a really interesting. Good, I've yeah. never thought about it like that either, but so that's may, a good point. maybe you can use that a little bit more, you know, when you, yeah, I'll <laughs> like, keep oh, that hey, in the back of my just, mind. Yeah, right? Just keep up the good work. Yeah, you're doing okay. great. Actually, I was okay. going to tell you, you were the first unofficial test that I failed. Ooh. Unofficial test? So I'm going to call mean? it unofficial because I got my test grade, I failed it, I walked out of the classroom, and then you gave points back and it got oh, me over okay. that certain thing. Okay, good. But I was devastated. Was it the first you exam? Were, no, I think oh. it was like... I don't remember. I don't know why. I think that was the f- first class that I had to figure out between memorizing mm-hmm. and actually applying it. And that was so difficult for me. Right. And then once that clicked, like in med surge, I was like, oh, this makes sense, you know? Right. But at the time, like I can memorize things very easily. Yes. And I couldn't do that in your class. I just gave that But I really spiel. enjoyed your class. Good. So. I'm glad. I just gave that spiel to my students this morning when I taught class mm-hmm. because their first exam is next week. Oh. So I kind of just, you know, gave them that forewarning that this is not all lower level as far as the Bloom's taxonomy. This is not all lower level. Even though this is fundamentals, there are higher level questions on here. You're yeah. going to have to analyze information. You're going to have to use critical thinking. It's not just recall memorization and knowledge base. So you need to be prepared to take the knowledge and then take it up a notch and apply it to a situation Mm -hmm. with a patient. Um, and this is what all the exams are going to be like in my class and the rest of the entire program. So just be prepared for that. And that reminds me too of another test taking strategy, read the test taking strategies book. Yes. That, because um, who, yes. who provides that? What's, is it? A it's it's so, in the bundle. <laughs> oh no. Just said a bad word. Sacred bundle. No, what it, no but no, seriously, I do um, think that book Saunders? was very, Yeah, was it Saunders? I think it might be Saunders. And then there's also in the NCLEX, I call it the NCLEX 9000, but I know like that's the, not oh, what it is. But it's, yeah, the there is, is yeah, yeah. The, but there is just a chapter condensed with basically everything that you Mm -hmm. need to know out of the test taking strategies book in one chapter and if you can read that that's good as soon as you can because like you said that's how all of the exams in the program are going to be and they're unlike any other exams you've taken ever taken that's exactly what i told them yep um, yeah, so I'll put that in the notes. I'll, I'll double check and then I'll put that in the podcast. I think notes that so might people... be because the Unclex book is that Silvestri book. Yes. Yeah. So that's the one that you might be talking about yeah. that has kind of a chapter yeah. on test taking. Mm-hmm. But it's like a thick book, right? Is yes. That, yeah, I've With been reading all that. All of the like fundamentals questions. and med surge oncology yes. and stuff like that. So, um, so let's talk about test taking. Okay. <laughs> I will start with you, Tess. Um, yeah, so you don't take your test in class. Can you kind of explain why? I can. I'll do my best. Okay. Um, but basically, before I started the program, when I was taking my prerequisites, I went to a magical thing called therapy. For the first time in my life. As Which there's nothing wrong with that. Like a 26-year-old. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Everybody should go to therapy. I'm yes, convinced. I concur. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of started exploring, you know, what was happening with me when I was testing previously because there were certain points in my 
academic career where I can genuinely say I have flat out blacked out during exams because my anxiety has gotten so horrible. And I thought like, that's just because I'm not smart enough or whatever bullshit I told myself to justify feeling that way. But then it came to the point where I was preparing in every way I knew possible, and yet this was still happening. And I finally um, got a proper diagnosis and started going through therapy to learn coping mechanisms to Mm -hmm. deal with my testing anxiety, which a lot of people have, and a lot of people you know, might misunderstand what that actually means or, you know, if that's even a real thing because tests are stressful. Yes, they are. In and of themselves. (laughs) But um, I was able to kind of overcome some of those boundaries that um, that set me up for. That didn't make any sense, but... Words are hard. Yeah, words are hard. (laughs) So anyways, I went on to get hooked up with the Disability Resource Center. And, and that's on campus, That correct? is on campus. It is a resource available to all students. Okay. And basically, I went in and I set up a meeting with um, Justin, who kind of runs that resource department. Okay. And he goes through, like, what it is you're struggling with, if you have any prior, like, medical diagnosis or... Mm-hmm you know, notes from a therapist or even a physician. He'll Mm -hmm. work with those as well to determine what's best for you. Yeah. And so I have to say doing that changed my life. So you take your test in there and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you get a little bit longer to take the test? I do. So I... Kind of explain the environment. Yeah. Okay. So I have to schedule my exams for the same day same time as everyone else Mm -hmm. and I get time and a half so it's if it's an hour long exam I get an hour and a half okay um that's not what I benefit from I rarely if ever stay yeah longer what is the most helpful for me is just being in a private room okay. with a desk with nothing on it, mm-hmm. a white noise machine. Oh, really? Yeah. I actually proposed that to Justin at the resource center. That's really cool. And he brought those in. Yeah. Cool. So that for me is the biggest thing because I don't hear any noises. I don't hear people talking. Mm-hmm. I don't hear people sniffing or yeah. tapping their leg, or... We're classmates cl- outside of the room talking, yeah. and all that stuff. Or so-and-so with a cough in the corner, mm-hmm. or yahoo over there with the bag of pretzels, that's you know? That's totally me, so... Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. so, because that's the kind of stuff that would literally throw me into a downward spiral, because I would just, I could, like, cannot drown that out. Yeah. And as soon as people start, like, shutting their computer and standing up and... Yeah, it's a little stressful because you're like, why am I not done? And they're done and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of different factors that, for me, the biggest thing is, yes, a lot of people have test anxiety. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. They're very stressful. But for me, it's to the point where I can no longer, you know evaluate a question Mm -hmm. appropriately. I can no longer synthesize, you know, the information that I have to critically think 
to select the right answer. Mm -hmm. Like at a certain point, I just kind of end up completely checking out yeah. and wanting to get the hell out of there as fast as I can. Yeah. So that, and I'm just going to reiterate this, that has changed my life because without making that move without me overcoming all of like the stigmas that I was worried worried mm -hmm. about yep. as far as being that kid that takes their exams in the testing center because they're whatever. Yeah. Um, that was the best decision I've ever made. And I genuinely don't think I would be here in this program had I not done that. So Professor Bays, have you seen differences in test scores when people go? Do you recommend it? I know you kind of meet with people if they're not doing so great on tests. Can you can you kind of just explain that a little bit? Sure. Um, I remember tested very well on her exams. I do remember that. Um, but again, it's very individualized. So just like when you're a nurse and you're dealing with patients and we're always telling you everyone's an individual, you have to look at everything from an individual basis. You can't just put everyone in the same category. Mm -hmm. That's 100% true with students. So some students don't like it like to be completely quiet. They don't function as well if it's totally quiet. I'm one of those people. I'm the same way. Like I have to have background noise yeah. or I can't concentrate. I can't function. Mm -hmm. I have to have that. So everyone is different. Um, so I necessarily haven't noticed a huge difference, but I do notice that um, students I've had in the past, because every year I've done this, this is my fourth year, um, I've always had at least one student, if not more, every semester that did take their exams in the Disability Resource Center. Um, they did well on their exams. And obviously, okay. I, I don't have a direct comparison mm -hmm. from, but just judging from what Tess was saying about her previous experience with taking exams in her previous degree, that it made a huge difference for her. So for people who do have those particular um, barriers and challenges, in my experience, it is a very beneficial thing. So if someone doesn't do too well on an exam, you normally meet with them, correct? Yes. What happens is anyone who gets below passing, which um, in our program at CSU Pueblo School of Nursing is an 80% or less. Okay. Um, so if they end up scoring less than an 80%, after I give back points, they still have less yeah. than an 80. Um, they get an email directly from me that says, you know, I would like to meet with you to discuss your exam mm -hmm. um, that you didn't do very well on. So we can see what's going on, see what the issues are mm -hmm. and try to rectify those problems. So you're more successful in the future. And then it's up to that student to take the accountability and the, you know, their own, um, prerogative and motivation to say, yes, I would like to meet with you. Gwen, can we do that? Okay. And so we just go over, we look at their test. We look at, um, the test in the exact order, the sequence that they took the test. Um, there's something called a, a hard question hangover. And what that means is after you've had this really hard question that kind of blows your mind mm -hmm. in a bad way, um, then you kind of go down the spiral. So you had this hard question. And even if you got the hard question right at the time, you don't know if you got it right. So then you kind of go in this downward spiral where then you miss several easy questions that you wouldn't normally miss. And that's a hard question hangover. So we look at those patterns to see if that is a problem with that particular student. Mm -hmm. Because for some people that can be um, absolutely a major issue with their test taking abilities. So what do you, I know we were able to go back on questions for you. <clears throat> Correct. But 
what do you recommend if someone runs into that? You know, that even if you can go back versus mm-hmm. you can't go back, like, right. can you kind of give a little bit on both? Yeah. If you're able to uh, backwards navigate, which since my class is fundamentals, I allow that on all of my exams. Mm-hmm. But usually as you progress in the program, they usually cut that feature off um, as you progress. But um, I say just answer it to the best of your ability. Go with your gut feeling. You eventually have to click an answer and just, you know, move on. Um, and if you're feeling to the point where you're so anxious and agitated and just psychologically not in the right place, then you need to just close your eyes for a minute and take some deep breaths and just reset. Like you have one minute to do that because then if you get the next four or five wrong, it wasn't worth not taking that one minute to try to reset. Um, you know, some people kind of have mantras, they close their eyes and have a mantra they say in their head. Mm -hmm. Some people just do some like deep breathing, relaxation. They picture themselves in their happy place, whatever, you know, kind of helps them cope and get back on track. Um, if you are able to go back, I would say, go ahead and go back to that question. Once you're completely done, I would say, answer it with your, with your gut, answer it with your gut. And then again, if you're in a place where you can't answer the next questions, you feel very mm-hmm. well, take that minute to reset. And then once you're done with all the questions, you have an answer clicked for all of them, go ahead and backwards navigate to any of them that you had particular difficulty with and go ahead and reevaluate them. But do not change your answer unless you are seriously 200% sure that you are changing it to the correct answer. I cannot emphasize that enough. Once in a while, you will do the right thing, but you have to be so sure because most of the time you're going to change it to the incorrect answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, so I'm trying to debunk that, but it's, it's not going into my, in my favor. (laughs) There are research articles out there because, because I, and I don't want to defer people from, you know, what research is evidence based is, you know, shown, but most of mine that I change are normally for the right because when I read a question, I skim through the question, I answer it, and then I read the question again. I'm like, oh, the word not is in there. And I right. didn't see that the first mm-hmm. time, and then I change it. So so that's a different scenario. Yeah, it's just because so, you didn't read it thoroughly. Uh, yeah, to begin and, I'm, with. And, I, and I'm realizing that. And I, that's rule number one that I yes. wrote down for my test taking strategies is RTFQ. Read, read the F question. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and you have to repeat that to yourself because that is the best thing you can do. I I try. I had a professor tell me, I think it was MedSurge one, MedSurge two. They said, you know, cover up the answers, read the question, and picture what that answer could be, and then look at it, and then that kind of. I don't know. I think you missed a part there. It was read the question, cover up the answers read the question two more times. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was I need to work read on it my three times taking. and then select the answer. I'm glad I'm facilitating this thing <laughs> and not giving you guys my advice. So I, I kind of, um, do you have any other like test taking strategies or? Um, the only thing I would say is if you're not in a situation like tests where you do have a different environment, Um, in which you're taking the test that it's private and quiet and conducive to what you need to be able to do that. Um, 
I would recommend doing as many practice questions at home as possible. Mm -hmm. So you can, again, you know, get used to the format, the different levels of Bloom's taxonomy, all of that stuff. But make sure you're taking them in the kind of environment that you're going to be in during the exam. So like... (laughs) Tessa's examples of the Yahoo in the corner coughing and sneezing and sniffling and all of that kind of stuff. Make sure there is a little bit of background noise. Mm -hmm. You know, the door opening and closing, people moving around in your peripheral vision. You know, um, Garrett, take your practice tests at home with your kids running around the house. That would be comparable. Um, So practice it in the environment that is the classroom. Okay. Um, so that will really help prepare you for those distractions that may derail you. So then you can use coping mechanisms at home, find out which coping mechanisms work the best for you. And then you know which ones you should use during your actual exam when something distracts you and derails your concentration. Mm-hmm. I think also what kind of helped me and, and I'm glad I had you at the beginning of, you know, this whole program, mm-hmm. but, um, on every one of your answers, you had a rationale. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that because then I started, when I, whenever I would do those practice questions and stuff, I would read the rationale. Yes. And sometimes it was just like, wow, you just read the question wrong or, and, or maybe I understood why the other ones weren't right. Right. So I, I'm, thank you. Keep doing sure. that, please. And you know what, quote unquote, they say, they say that you're going to learn more if you read the rationale, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you got the correct question correct or not. Yes. So if you're reading the rationale, depending on if you got it wrong, right, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn a lot from that rationale. And I do that as a learning tool, but I also do it. So you guys don't harass me as much about why a question is wrong. <laughs> what? No, so it has do a double no. benefit of putting all those rationales, yeah. but it is very helpful as a learning adjunct. Yes. I really enjoyed that. I also enjoy that. Yeah. And just going but, off what you said, if you look at all these test-taking strategies, or listen, rather, mm-hmm. um, and things still aren't working for you, and you feel like you're doing everything in your power to be successful and you're not, consider seeking help. Consider you know, seeing a professional, mental health first, all the way. You have to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. especially if you know you're capable and there is a wall in your way that you have no control over. Yeah, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of the podcast too, is like um, almost scheduling that uh, breakdown time, if that makes sense. Because you don't want to break down during a test, right. you know? So like, But you need a catharsis at some you, point. You need to go, I'm giving this, that, this time, you know, so it won't affect me anywhere else. So we kind of talked about that too. So I'm glad you brought that up because that just, you know, backs up that we're smart yeah. people, right? We're so <laughs> smart. We have all the strategies yep. in life. Your great minds think very alike, <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. So um, it, uh, I kind of want to touch base. Just I know you guys, you know, valuable time and it's a yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I have a Tinder date later. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the 80% test score, not all universities do that, but but – we do. CSUP does it. What's the evidence behind that? You know, honestly, historically, I don't have exact data on that. Okay. I can tell you that where I went to nursing school, um, you know, I've been a nurse, like I said, for 13 years. So it's, you know, when I was right in the midst of it has been 15 years Mm -hmm. and I went to Regis university in Denver, which is a private Jesuit, like very upscale school, whatever. Um, very good nursing school, excellent, um, nursing school. I can't say anything bad about my education there. So they had that same rule. 
Um, but I would have to say just based on kind of conventional wisdom and um, common sense is if you're going to be taking care of people, if you're in charge of human lives and those fragile human lives depend on your ability to use critical thinking, to be able to, you know, remember and apply uh, critical knowledge and information, to know when to call for help, to know when things are okay, all of those things, some of them, yes, come with experience, but some of them absolutely require certain aptitude. So if you don't possess the aptitude to be able to execute those things in real life and those people's lives are in your hands, that is obviously not a situation that we want. Mm -hmm. So just like um, physicians going to school, they are very, very dependent on certain scores and on exams that they have to take. The same concept of having an aptitude for medicine, having an aptitude for healthcare. Not that that's everything, because it's not, but you have to have some degree of natural inclination and ability to perform this is a profession. This is not a job. It is a profession that hopefully is a lifelong profession that you will continue to grow from novice to expert with time, mm -hmm. but you have to be a competent novice. So let's just be honest. So you don't kill someone. Yeah. Um, so let's I would have honest. to say yeah. just based on, you know, basic, uh, common sense and conventional wisdom, you, you need to be able to, to have some degree of aptitude mm -hmm. so you can take safe, care of your patients. Yes, yeah, of course. Um, do you guys have any, have any other resources students can use that you wanted to mention that you can't think of? I know we, we mentioned a lot, but right. I know this is generic, but, um, honestly, YouTube truly has some pretty good stuff on it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously you can find some really creepy stuff on there as well, depending on what you're searching for. Yeah. Um, but if you can find, um, you know, some good resources like, um, another good one is the Khan Academy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. What is it? The Khan, um, Khan Academy, K A H N Academy. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. I have heard of that. Um, yeah. they have really good like visual videos. So okay. if you're either auditory or a visual learner, mm -hmm. they're speaking as well as, um, ha like drawing out things and having mm -hmm. a lot of visual, um, cues and a lot of visual adaptations of, um, different disease processes and stuff like that. That's a really good resource as well. I really like Osmosis is another good channel. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Just Osmosis. That's on a YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really. Cool. And then you got the um, Southern girl. What's her name? Nurse Katie R N. Yeah. Oh. Nurse Katie R N. Registered Nurse Katie. Yeah. R N. Yeah. So I also I put. Um, have you guys checked out Straight A Nursing Student? Yes. Read the book. Oh, okay. Well, I know she does like um, the study guides. She makes them into case studies. Mm -hmm. So if you have if you have DKA, you know she breaks it down like, well, what are we going to look at? What exams or examinations stuff like that? So straight A nursing. Um, then the NRSNG. Mm -hmm. I haven't used a lot, but I know they have a podcast that is pretty helpful. I've listened to a couple of them. I've listened to a couple of them. Yeah. They're pretty helpful. Yeah. Yep, yep. I also use the website for their, um, they have really good care plans that you can see yes. for different diseases, disorders, mm -hmm. and it really lays it out nicely from, you know, diagnosis to patho, etiology, and nursing interventions, okay. which is really helpful for me. But one thing, are you going to add another? 
I was going to tell you no, another no, this secret. No, no, this is the test show. So this kidding. is the, hello, and welcome to the test show. My name is No, Tess, keep going. I, I'm, I'm asking show. you, yeah, what other resources? So I was just going to add, talk to your fellow students. Talk to people that were in the program before you. Mm-hmm. Talk to people that have maybe taken the class last semester. Yeah, find a mentor. Figure out, yeah, you know, people have very valuable information, especially since they've been through it, they've struggled through it, they found out, you know, what to focus on because we have so many resources. It's so oversaturated with this website, that website, this book, that book, this whatever. Ask somebody. Yeah. If all you need to focus on are your lectures and your PowerPoints and like one supplemental resource, that's a lot more realistic than uh, this is coming out of left field and I'm just going to try to read the 600 pages on this exam really quick because everybody does that in our program for sure. Of course. Yeah. So just talk to people. Yes. Don't be alone. That's like my biggest thing. Yeah. If you feel alone, that's not okay. So that's the end of the test show. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) 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 Professor Bayes, do you have anything else on resources or anything? Um, Nothing I can think of, but I would also just agree with Tess that um, your peers are an excellent resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's ahead of you, like you said, anyone who's having to repeat a course and they've gone through it, they've kind of learned the hard way. Some things they can really kind of help you learn the easy way. And then um, asking your professors as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a podcast or non-podcast yeah. format, it doesn't matter, but they might have um, some good resources. Yeah. And then also on, I would assume, everyone's blackboard, all the instructors' blackboards, at least I can say for mine, I have a section that's additional resources. Okay. So I have videos on there. Mm-hmm. I have websites. Um, like we learn ABGs and fundamentals. So yeah. I have like this one that's like ABG Ninja and you can mm-hmm. do practices and oh, um, cool. like uh, Jeopardy PowerPoints and stuff like that. So if there's like an um, extra resources tab on your Blackboard, definitely check that out because yeah, there could be um, valuable information just waiting for you to discover on there. Yeah. So I would definitely look at that as well. Great. So, um, well, that, that kind of concludes everything. Um, Professor Bays, if people want to contact you, how can they contact you? Um, they can absolutely email me at my um, CSU Pueblo email. Okay. I only have that for part of the year, so I'll give you two emails. Okay. Um, and I'll put it in the notes. Sure. Too, so. so, and you can do that. It's Jenny.Bays at CSUPueblo.edu. And then my uh, full-time job, my Parkview one that I have access to at all um, times is Ginny underscore Bays at parkviewmc.com. Okay. And Tess, um, how can people contact you if they do have any other questions? Well, I don't know why they would want to contact me. Adoring fans, come on. To all my fans, you can email me at T-E-S-S-O-P-E-R-R-A-N at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at T-T-Unicorns. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) before we go, um, normally I have Nick with me. We actually have a question. Nick? Yeah. I don't remember him. He's okay. You know, um, we, we actually have a question in our email. Would you guys like to help answer with that? Sure. Absolutely. Of course. So this is from Greg, Greg Salazar from UCCS, hmm. Colorado Springs. Isn't that cool. awesome? Yeah. Wow. Big. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, his question is, I try to kind of 
break it down. Get through the and, fluff. Yeah. So he asked, what is one thing, gadget, or resource you've discovered that has helped in clinical? Oh. Clinical. Or that you have seen. I know you've. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. There ain't no gadget that can prepare you for that. Well, I mean, like I something. Know. Okay, so I thought when I saw this email, I thought of a couple of things that people liked. Um, mm-hmm. They liked like the little stethoscope holder. Mm. I use um, the MedSurge Clinical Companion. It's like this. Well, it's still a thick book, but mm-hmm. I bring it always, and you know, look things up, and you can look at the patho and stuff like that. Oh, cool. So that's kind of what I thought. Sure. Of. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I have a fantastic, very small, flush with the body fanny pack. And it's come in very handy because otherwise my pockets get very full of things. Of course. And so I feel like I'm weighed down by my pockets and then I'm leaning over and then stuff is falling out Mm -hmm. into who knows where. And so I have this very convenient, compact fanny pack where I can put things that make me have the things that I need to be prepared, whether it's alcohol swabs or Mm -hmm. saline flushes or Mm -hmm. my stethoscope goes in there so I'm not leaving it everywhere or like whacking it on everything. Very cool. Yeah. Um, You know, actually the one thing I can think of that I think is really cool and really helpful are those clipboards that um, have the information all over them. They can really accommodate a lot of information if they utilize the front and the back. And then the really cool ones, the clip is also a calculator. So the thing that holds your papers down, um, so you can have your clinical papers there, you have a calculator right there, and then all that kind of basic information you might want to look up, like mm-hmm. your cranial nerves are on there, your basic um, lab values are on there, um, tons of stuff like that. So I w- highly recommend those. I do use one of those. Those are really nice. They're pretty nifty. We're so. actually looking for a sponsorship. If the fancy clipboard company wants to sponsor us, you can reach us. Yeah, call Garrett. Nick and Garrett at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we appreciate that. And Apple, if you're looking to sponsor us. Apple, yeah. Or any okay. other highly profitable companies. Yeah, anybody that just <laughs> wants to give, give us, us their money. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. We're cool <laughs> with that. Well, I just want to thank you both for being on the show. Um, I know you guys are really busy, and I really appreciate your time. Um, but we also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And a special thanks to Quentin from Still City Recording Studios out of Pueblo, Colorado for doing this amazing job on recording and making us sound just amazing. Right, guys? Yes. So amazing. Yeah. So remember, if you guys have any questions for us, you can, uh, or if you want to hear about a certain topic, you can email us at nickandgarrett at gmail.com. That's nick, or N-I-C-K-N-G-A-R-R-E-T-T at gmail.com. And until next time, this is the Stew Nurse Podcast with Nick and Garrett. Thank you. <laughs>